Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey everyone, this is Joe from the Latvia Weekly Podcast. If you are listening to this right now, then you are obviously somebody who has been following very closely the situation which has been unfolding in Ukraine and Kristaps' awesome coverage of it. However, I would like to remind everyone that nothing would be possible without the very brave Ukrainian journalists who are on the ground right now risking their lives so that Kristaps has something to tell you and that we are able to follow what is happening on the ground and get reliable information about that. And obviously, this is not very easy for them to do, given that so many of them have had to relocate and so many of them are very limited funds right now. And I know that although you are being bombarded by various worthy causes to support, and many of you have generously done so already, I would like to point you in the direction of two different fundraisers. One is for the Kiev Independent, which is an independent news organization. They have been one of the most up-to-the-minute and reliable sources of information in the English-speaking media about what's been going on in Ukraine. And then also one other fundraiser, for Ukraine's media in general. This is not just the English-speaking media. Both of them you can find on GoFundMe.com. For the Kiev Independent, the first one is called Keep the Kiev Independent Going. And then the one for the general fund for the Ukrainian media is called Fundraiser by Jacob Parusinski. I know that all of you feel like you wish that you could do more and are looking for ways to help. And one way that we can all help is make sure that Ukraine's brave journalists are able to do the heroic work that they have been doing and continue doing that, keeping us informed and revealing the evils of what are going on in the ground. Thank you, guys. And I will hand the floor back to Kristaps. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. I have found some time after uh, writing an article for a local Latvian newspaper to sit down a bit and um, do a bit more longer, a bit more poetic episode, so to speak. One that uh, I won't feel ashamed to actually charge you on Patreon for, which is nice because, you know, all the sports necessary and I'm really getting burnt out by all these just purely news episodes. So like I said, I wrote an article and I'll be using a lot of that as a script because, well, wrote it in Laffy and then this is going to be in English and you're hearing it after the article's already published, so that'll be fine. But um, 
these are just some thoughts about that what have popped into my head while while I'm here at the border, and also also some things and comments that um are not going into that article and just in general thoughts about eastern border and uh, further events that are going to happen here there will be some news though some news definitely cuz um there are things that uh, are just a bit with a bit more long range long term impact than um, to be just covered in unedited daily random short episodes so we'll be using these longer ones to kind of express those things that really can't go into standard ones. There are also going to be interviews, because I am, um, I'm going back to Lavi eventually, and we'll get to more daily stuff, and uh, I have managed to contact some Lavian politicians. I'm very sad that um, I won't be able to get you an interview with Antony Blinken, who's visiting Latvia on the 7th of March, but um, I'll try to maybe send, uh, send someone from the team to do that. <laughs> it might be a bit strange, and you have to arrange some things, but uh, we'll we'll try, definitely. But for now, well, unless something really weird and strange happens on the day that you're hearing this, because this is probably not going to come out the day that I record it, then um, I hope that this day has been peaceful on the front lines. Because I am also just recording a tiny news episode, but this needs to come out as well. Working massive overtimes here. Still, as you heard, I told you that I'm in Helm now and about my mishap with mixing up Helm on Helm. But um, Helm itself, it has about um, 70,000 people living in it. It would normally be a friendly border town, or city. It's definitely a city by Lavian standards, I think. I think Polish consider that a city as well. To be fair, I really don't know exactly the breaking point of what's a city and what isn't, because all my life I've been told that Latvia, at least when I was in school, that only Riga would be considered a city by Western standards, but then I found out that all other places are smaller than Riga, and Daugopils is a city, so nobody knows. Uh, I'm not particularly bothered by it, but still. This Helm place, your standard Eastern European border city, where Ukrainian and Belarusian truckers would normally stop to fill up their gas tank and stay for a few days. The biggest advertisements here state that Helm is a great stop for tourists before going forward. It's a good entry point into the Polish culture and uh, Polish environment. It's a great way how to get into Poland and get to know Poland. And, well, that's the fun part, because currently, this city, they're forced to have to put their their whole thing and this tourism slogan to the test. Helm comes from the word, uh, well, home which is a, another word for hell, really, in um, these languages. And it's on the southeastern part of the Polish border. It's kind of near the both Belarusian and Ukrainian border, and it was founded in 1235. Riga's a bit older. I mean, I have to mention that one. And currently, this place is full with Ukrainian refugees, and the hotels are full, and they don't do any commercial activity, like I mentioned in episode 6 of the war in Ukraine. I um, just remind you to, to find a number in a hotel here. I had to do some bribing. I paid quite a lot more than uh, the usual prices. And they uh, gave me a number that was originally used as like, some sort of a storeroom. And they threw out the stuff and put me in. It's sort of a luxury thing. Weird. I don't pay luxury rates. I don't know what rates I pay. I just paid for, a, paid for a while so that I would know where to stay. And... 
another place besides hotels where the refugees are being kept and, and helped for is the local train station and, weirdly enough, the local Baptist church. Most people are Catholic here or Orthodox. It's sort of one of those very classical Polish places, but the Baptists have been extremely active with helping the people. Oh yeah, mind you, this place, it's at about 25 kilometers, that's like 16 miles from the border. This is the closest town to the border. Because, well, obviously there's there is literally nowhere to stay at the border itself. So when I go there and um, do my stuff, I, I have to travel back here because no hotels anywhere else. And um, the local infrastructure currently is just overwhelmed, insanely overwhelmed. Now, the, this city was, was meant to be a small industrial center because there is industry here. The main tourist attraction even, technically, is the local chalk mines, which to all of you paranormal fans out there well, will be a nice thing to Google up. Seriously, Helm, with a C at the beginning, Helm salt mines are a major tourist attraction and they have like deep caves which look creepy. At least that's what I saw in pictures because they're closed now because of COVID. And, and the infrastructure is just very stressed because they didn't expect such an influx of people, obviously. This place wasn't made to take in thousands of people, but, you know, everyone's doing what they can to deal with this war. I turned to the local newspaper for some help. The local newspaper has a pretty ambitious name, Super Tijen Chelmski. I am told that that means Super Helm Week, Super Week of the Helm or something. I'm not sure about the super part, but it's a good newspaper. And um, that's what the contacts from Warsaw sent me. And, uh, you know, I have to give honor to my Polish colleagues, to the Polish journalists, that um, who, despite the language barrier, really gave me help and instantly added me to the list of approved journalists and gave me the permits for reporting from the border, gave me advice, asked me if I don't need anything, and they were truly, truly happy about, you know, someone from our trade that's arrived here and um, try to help them with, with everything that's happening here and, you know, maybe trying just to make the whole thing a bit bit better. I'm mentioning the language barrier because that's that's an interesting, fun story since... Since uh, I arrived there, and it turns out that literally nobody in um, editorial in the newsroom actually spoke English or Russian. There was this one guy who spoke extremely poor English, but like super poor English. And that's okay, because I was told previously when I was coming here that, oh no, it's just like Ukraine, everyone speaks Russian here as well. And I'm used to that, because in the Baltics, quite a lot of people speak Russian. Anita is probably nodding her head right now, because, well, she speaks Russian, we all speak Russian. But over here, I hadn't really expected that a lot of people actually don't speak Russian at all, which stunned me just just a bit, because I'm usually expected that the Russification would be a bit more enforced in the satellite countries as well. But apparently not. Apparently, the Polish people remained on their own. So they literally had to call in, and I didn't understand exactly whom, but I think it was um, some sort of a relative of one of the people who worked there, it might have been, like, a daughter of the chief editor or, or something like that. Really, I couldn't tell. I'm honest about this because I don't understand Polish, of course. So so they, they called someone in and then they um, translate all of this information and the phone number and everything. I got all this because of the help of this young young woman. She was about 20 or something. She also checked into my show, so if you're listening, hi, I was really happy that we got this conversation going and that how everything went, so 
ended up well. But again, a place which prides itself on tourism and um, really is mostly focused, as information tells me, on light industrial activity, being a local industrial center, and uh, these uh, truckers that pass through. Yeah, that was that was quite quite stunning. But and again, all of the people who work in the editorial in the newsroom, they're all volunteers currently. All of them are right now helping the refugees. Completely all of them, which is just stunning because I went there and the sheer uh, quickness with which they worked, they hadn't even responded to my to my mail before. And I just went there and I said, oh, uh, hello, I'm the journalist that sent you an email. And they just dragged me up and gave me a bunch of information and everything. And I'll have to sift through that because they've done their own research and interviewed a lot of the people who've come across the border, the refugees, and that are now gone to Warsaw. So I'll have to use some of their material to understand what happened in the very early days of the conflict. But we'll get to that. Hello, and thank you for listening to another episode of The Eastern Border. As always, a big thank you to all of our Patreons. The show would not be possible without your support. If you're not a Patreon and would like to become one, head over to patreon.com slash theeasternborder. But remember, you can also support us directly on our website, theeasternborder.lv. To catch up on all things Eastern Border all the time, make sure to follow us on our social media like Facebook, Twitter and Discord. And if you have any questions or suggestions, write a comment or message us directly on Facebook. We'll be happy to hear from you. That's all from me now. See you online. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The refugees themselves over here are extremely orderly, at least as far as I could see them. It seemed that after the pure border control, and they have a refugee spot over there right next to the border, but after they've been there for a while and dealing with dealt with stuff, I faced them and I saw that they are they've got to some phase of acceptance. You know, like in that in that list of things, you know, you have rage and, and sadness and finally comes acceptance and I've and I've seen people here that I think truly have reached that phase of acceptance. And the whole horror is happening constantly, and it's there. But right now, the people that I spoke to were extremely peaceful. I spoke with Olga from Lvov, and she told me that she's not afraid anymore. She was afraid when they bombed things. <laughs> the refugees are being explained how to get food, where to sleep, what are the security measures. And, and those refugees who already have a plan where to go further, who have some relatives in Poland or other places in, in the EU, they kind of get them into trains and cars, 
and send them towards their, their goals. Because, well, otherwise this city would be overloaded. Those people who don't have a plan, well, they're being helped to, to make one. Because Helm doesn't seem to be a place where you can stay for a long period of time, because I don't think that anyone could prepare for this. Worst thing for refugees is the fact that, obviously, they couldn't take their valuables with them. And they could only take small bags or, or something. And a lot of them in Ukraine, well, they had um, tied their income with Russian banks, since EU regulations were hard, and Russian banks, specifically Sberbank and VTB, they were more kind of reliable than, than some of the Ukrainian ones. But currently, this means that they don't have access to money at all. They, they can't take out cash, they can't pay with card, and therefore they need to really rely on the aid. You can also spot some um, work advertisements where the Ukrainians are being offered a place to stay and some work, for a time at least. But there's not that many of them. In this city, there's simply not that many places to work so that they could be offered more help. And because of COVID, apparently, and in Helm, as far as I see it, as I've traveled around these parts, a lot of stores, a lot of businesses have closed, specifically in the service industry. I And the factories already are overloaded. Bars, cafes, and so on. And, and finding work is pretty difficult as is. And even with the businesses that still exist here, the language barrier could be a problem. Because I really don't know how the people who have supposedly quite a lot of tourism going on here in these parts, how can they um, not speak English in bigger quantities or something? And the fact that they have issues with Russian is really stunning for me, like I, like I mentioned before. But anyways, Olga, like she told me, she had arrived here with her older mother, and she comes from a district in Ukraine, closer to the Belarusian border, slightly up north, one of the places which was shot at by uh, rockets and artillery at the beginning of the war. And after they endured that, the local services, the police and firemen and everyone just gathered them into buses and sent to Lvov. And in Lvov, again, thanks to the various organizations, the refugees were split up to the border points where they were sent to. Because you can't send all of them to one border point that would uh, overflow the capacity of the border guards on the Polish side, and the lines, which are already huge, would be even longer. And they couldn't even get there with, with a car, really, because of, of all the abandoned cars on the road, which have run out of gas or, or just have stopped working, and there are massive lines of cars apparently lining the way, and, and Olga hopes that uh, some of the abandoned cars will be picked up by the Ukrainian Territorial Defense Forces, you know, the militias that are helping the Ukrainian army fight in the war. And she, with her mother, had to walk walk some, some 20 kilometers to the border, but she got in. Her uh, husband and her brother both have uh, apparently stayed, and they're still fighting. I wasn't really pushing for much more information, because that was, that was heavy as is. And I couldn't feel any, any desperation at this point. One thing that wasn't there, that was just missing from from the conversation completely, that was just absent from, from any thoughts that they gave me was, was any desperation. No, no, no. They um, Instead, they were just hoping that they would get back to their homes in a year or two. They were quite optimistic in this. They said that uh, Ukrainians will win, and that they will, once they settle down again with what little property they had left with them, once they had settled down, then they would help themselves. They were They were lucky because... They were people who actually had relatives nearby. They apparently had someone living in Poland, so it was quite quite easier with them. 
In general, though, the refugees here aren't too talkative. At least in the railway station. The people who waited for, you know, being put on trains, well, they were just sitting on their bags and just preparing to leave, and most of them are just women and children. Little kids are just screaming constantly, and, and the mothers don't have a lot of time to speak with you. Only a few men were, were seen among refugees, and they're usually either kids or, or elderly people. And now and then, of course, you see someone else, but um, well, from what I understood, with talking to them, the, the male population who's gotten over, yeah, it's not like the Polish border guards ask them anything, but um, the women and children do. A lot of them really want to just get their families across the border to safety and then go back to war. And I, I believe that the men who've, who've stayed here and not gone back to Ukraine to fight, they've had really good reasons. Because even people who hadn't had such good reasons, even they've went back to fight. So that's a, that's a thing, but who am I to judge other people's fates? And uh, now then this train station, the station workers arrive who give information in Polish, and further on, the volunteers, those who know the language, together with the local migrants, they translate information to the other refugees. And a lot of people actually know Polish here because, well, cultural ties and everything. But uh, it's not just the local people on here, no. Apparently, to the border, to various cities on of Poland, next to the border, all sorts of people are just, just coming constantly. When I was getting here, I drove together with a bunch of Ukrainian students from Warsaw who spent three and a half hours in a train there in the morning and about the same amount back each free day they have. Because, for one, yeah, there's nowhere to sleep here at all, unless you're uh, a bit of a crazy person like I am. It would be hard for just someone to randomly pop in here if you don't know someone here already or don't know how to deal with such situations. And they do that every spare free day that they have, just to be useful. There's a lot of lot of these people in these groups, and and they tell me that they will keep coming until they're no longer needed, because they really want to help. Because one of the things that Polish government is is pushing is that, yeah, the the whole stress on these border border cities and border towns, it's immense. So, so they're trying to help as much as they can, despite all these people and everything. The locals don't seem to be don't seem to be worried. In fact, it's quite the contrary. Those people with whom I had some conversations, despite, again, the language barriers, they're extremely friendly. And they only show their sorriness and and how difficult everything is about the fact that they can't help more. We're all united here in the eastern border, which is what I'm starting to enjoy a lot. That's a, a bit weird thing, because I tend to be a bit xenophobic from people abroad, but, but right now, well... I can tell you that we are all standing together, and this is this is great. However, they are they are really really tired. The local newspaper basically doesn't write about anything else besides this conflict and how to help it and how to deal with this. Then one of the things that really helps is that Ukrainians in Helm have been for a long period already treated as locals, again for historical and cultural reasons, and in the local um, city council. The press people were laughing and uh, told me that maybe the city really could benefit from this. Remember the the chalk mines? Yeah, they they really want want them to go there. And this is important because, you know, they say that maybe there'll be new people that come in that haven't seen them and that, well, despite of COVID, we could just show them to someone. 
everyone's trying really hard because because of the refugees and because they feel their duty to help with everything they can. And uh, one of the curious things that have happened here in the local cafe, I ordered some some sandwiches and a coffee because I chose not to eat at the hotel's breakfast thing because that cafe offers free meals for the refugees and I want to help them stay alive because there's not many cafes still alive. And, you know, I, I got to feel bad that I'm eating, eating the food of, of the refugees if I go and eat breakfast there. I, I don't need it. I can, thanks to your help, I can actually afford to go to a cafe and eat there. It's okay. So I'd rather support local businesses instead of, you know, take some food that would be otherwise given to a refugee. So I, I just go to the cafe. <laughs> but um, I, I tell them my study because I'm trying to interview people there and, and understand how the locals feel. And after I told them that I'm a journalist from Latvia, I was given a free beer next to my coffee. Um, I was a bit stunned. I mean, I googled this one up, and th- that's a thing that some Latvian people do, but I don't know how people in Helm, out of all places, which is quite far from Latvia by European standards at least, you know, in, in this small border town, they call it the Latvian breakfast. And apparently they just wanted to give me a full Latvian breakfast, which involves coffee and beer. And um, I, I don't know how they know this, but but hey, you know, stuff happens. Just wonderful. Just, just wonderful that um, that this is apparently a thing and it's weird. But um, but besides that, about the whole mines and everything, I'm sorry that I'm talking about the mines so much. It's just that really it's better than talking about gunfire. Yeah, one thing that I see here is that and that I've also kind of spotted all over the place in Eastern Europe, and which is understandable, is the fact that everyone's focusing on the material things. And what I saw in the refugee places and in the eyes of locals and everything is the fact that they're super, super tired. And currently there's no crime and nothing bad's happening. At least I haven't seen anything bad happen. But um, well, there's nothing other going on. And they're sitting on their phones and constantly you know, trying to communicate with people in Ukraine and it's really difficult, really, really difficult. And and these people are under constant stress and, and that tires you out. And and what if what if someone gets drunk? I hadn't seen anyone drunk, but what if that like something like that happens? See, in, in Latvia we had a concert, you know, where we sang in a protest protest that was also a concert. That's normal for Latvia. There was a choir involved and a and a conductor for the choir very extremely Latvian thing to do, let me tell you that. But then I come here and then I see the fact that, well, they don't have that. They have some tourism objects and some things, but no one obviously has the time right now to think about, you know, a bit of culture, a bit of venting out. I think this maybe um, I'll poke some people in, in Warsaw or, or tomorrow or day after that in the city council about this whole situation, because you got to have something. You got to have something because... This has a risk of of maybe, I don't know, maybe someone just starts a fight or something, which could be really, really bad. And no one, no one needs anything bad in the press from Putin's propaganda side. And again, I'll mention this once again, it's Putin's war, it's not Russian people's war. Just so you know, because I'm getting a lot of reports about Russian people being harassed, and I don't like that. That's not the eastern border way. Eastern border way is to target the, the trolls and the oligarchs and the people responsible, not the common people, since right now even over like 7,000 people have been arrested in Russia. There's a lot of people who hate this war. So please don't mix that one up. That's important. But we don't need this. We don't need more messages and, and all this tiredness. But uh, they, need, they need something. 
any something that would flow out and some concert or something that would lift their spirits up a bit. And I believe that's even more so in the refugees next to the border. Which is, by the way, where I'll go. I'll stay a night there with the volunteers. Um, then uh, can't really predict the future currently right now. I was very strictly told not to try to get into Ukraine, but I'm thinking about it. I have a lot of things to figure out in my head. I, I want to stay safe, because otherwise, if I get captured or, or shot or, or get into some bad bad situations, then I won't be able to make the show, which is terrible. Yeah, conflicting situations. But yeah, I asked them, and this is for my Latvian audience, which suddenly is growing, which is surprisingly nice. But I asked uh, both the refugees and the locals about, you know, have they heard about any help that specifically Latvia sends? Because I wanted to find out whether something of what we do and what we try is, has been noticed. And um, apparently, yeah, apparently it turns out that we have some guys who uh, in Latvia who gather money and repair cars, and they've been sending used cars to the territorial defense thing. Because I, apparently, I don't know, since there's a lot of cars on the border with Poland that are just abandoned, but they don't want to take them, maybe, or I don't know what's exactly happening there, but I know that the territorial defense lacks cars. The farmers might steal some tanks, but actually cars for transportation, which quite probably they uh, upgrade with some metal plates for more protection. Yeah, that, that's what they need. And we have some guys who collect money for that, and I give them personal thanks. I uh, I think I've spotted something about them on the social media, but I'm not exactly sure, since I don't really have much time to read read life and social media at this point at all. One thing that's really necessary for, for the people here, and remember that most of the refugees are, are women and, and children, is specifically, specifically hygiene products. Female hygiene products, baby formulas, and wet wipes. Because that's the number one issue. Number one issue is not where to stay or to be under a roof, although everything's overloaded, but exactly, you know, where can you get a shower? How can you uh, wash yourself? You know, that sort of thing. And and those things are the most necessary. Then again, we, we have a bunch of links on our Facebook page. Where can you donate? But if you just look up SOS Ukraine, then those are the good pages. SOS Ukraine is the best source. They have a place where you can donate not only for the Ukrainian army, but also for children and for everyone. Also, Red Cross is a good good site where you can donate. And if you're from Latvia, then ziedot.lv, which is a good one. Or, I don't know, I, I'm not sure ziedot.lv has an English site, but you can go there. But but just just don't, don't, don't stay ignorant about this, really. Another interesting, uh, being gonzo journalists ourselves, we, we love our little weirdnesses that sometimes pop up. If you remember, I told you about how the Google Maps were used to... Posted reviews. Well, I have to say, sadly, that Google Maps have decided to be a bit of a pricks here and uh, are trying now to delete pictures and, and, and the Russian-related reviews of, of uh, Russian places, which is sad because Echo Moscow closed down. I'll get to that too. Don't worry. But one thing that you can do is look at some sort of Kiev or whatever Ukrainian place which has an Airbnb in it and just book an apartment there. Just book an apartment there and message the owner and tell them, you won't be coming, if this helps you, you, you take the money, whatever. That's a way how you can get your cash directly to the people of, of Ukraine super quickly. If you don't know anything about their, their bank accounts or their contacts, you can do this. If you'd rather not, not donate to, to some, some other organization and you want to send some money to someone personally, then you can do it via Airbnb. That's a life hack of today. These life hacks come... Um, I'm off tonight, and it's weird. This is Life in Helm, and this is my life as well, and I'll 
stay overnight and I'll see where where life takes me. But about the news, like I said, this is from yesterday, so some things might be might be a bit outdated at this point, so I'll just talk about the big big picture happenings. If you want just super quick daily updates, just go to my Twitter feed. It's gonna be fine. But yeah, right now Echo of Moscow is down, which was terrible. Echo of Moscow was founded in 1919. That was one of the most liberal sites out there and media sites. And now they've been forced to close. Apparently, they're banned in Russia. They still operate on YouTube somehow. But um, they're basically the journalists are doing all the, all the stuff for free at this point because the official group came down and the board of directors just closed it and dissolved it under Putin's pressure, which is really bad. That and... Um, an Estonian ship uh, running under the flag of Panama, but it's belonging to an Estonian company, apparently blew up on a mine. And I'm being told that because of how sea insurance works, this means that basically no one except Russian-owned ships will be traveling in northern Black Sea, so that could stop a lot of shipping, which could cause a lot of issues for oil imports. But those are news territory and... Um, I'll be going off and writing some some more articles because I have that to do as well. I'm doing podcasts and writing articles and everything at the same time. Please remember that. So sorry about that stuff. But yeah, this was Helm. Helm's Deep, maybe. You know, weirdness. The place where you gather all the people and hide them from the darkness. Strange. Interesting times, comrades. Happiness is mandatory. До свидания, товарищи. Thank you for listening to the Eastern Border Show. If you have any questions or comments, go to our website, theeasternborder.lv, and leave a comment there. Or email us at theeasternborder at gmail.com. We'll be sure to answer. You can also follow us on social media and contact us there. If you enjoyed this episode, then leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about us. It really helps us grow the show. And remember, happiness is mandatory. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.